The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It's 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here's your top five at five. Stocks looking to get back on track after slipping from record highs on easing earnings momentum. And then we've got two tech giants potentially providing some fresh fuel with their quarterly results as Apple and Amazon prepare to report. Democrats hunkering down to try and get over that final hurdle and hurdles on President Biden's economic agenda as he heads to the Hill to lock in key support. Shares of Rent the Runway fizzling in their trading debut with day two of trading not looking so much better. And Facebook reportedly telling employees to preserve internal documents as the social media giant braces for increasing scrutiny from regulators. It's Thursday, October 28th, 2021, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Good morning. I'm Courtney Reagan in this morning for Brian Sullivan. Thank you for joining us wherever you're watching around the world. Here's how your money and the global markets are setting up for the trading day. Stock futures right now here for the major averages are indicating a slightly higher open from the S&P 500 higher by 11. Dow Jones Industrial Average higher by almost 60 and the Nasdaq indicated higher by 72 points. And this comes after we saw stocks slip yesterday with the Dow shedding 250 points, snapping its four day win streak. A similar story for the S&P 500, which fell for the first time in the last three sessions. Also, checking on treasuries this morning with the 10-year falling sharply. You can see here back below that 1.6% threshold at 1.54%. We also want to take a look at oil prices facing a third day of losses, falling figures showing a surprising jump in U.S. crude inventories. WTI is currently trading at 82 spot 20. That's down about a half a percent. And Brent crude is actually at 84.04, down about six tenths of a percent. And we've got to talk about two of your day's big money movers, Apple and Amazon. They're set to round out the week of big tech earnings after the bell today. With Amazon, the health of the e-commerce market and its cloud business will certainly be in focus, while the impact of the ongoing global semiconductor crunch will be a key question for Apple's numbers, although supply chain, of course, very important for Amazon, too. Several big earnings reports out in Europe this morning. For more on that in the early trade, let's get to Juliana Tettelbaum in our London newsroom. Juliana, it's great to see you again. Courtney, good morning. Well, it is certainly a busy morning here in Europe. We've got so many earnings that have come through this morning and also European Central Bank meetings to look forward to this afternoon. It's a mixed picture in terms of trade. We have had some positive momentum build over the last hour or so. So now the CAC 40 over in France trading about four-tenths of a percent higher, outperforming the broader European market. The FTSE MIB over in Italy and the Swiss market also seeing a little bit of green, but still some red on the board for the Spanish, German, and UK markets. In terms of that central bank meeting. No major policy change is expected, but investors will look to Christine Lagarde, the president, for any clues as to how the central bank plans to tackle rising price pressures. 
Turning to earnings, though, let me give you a sense of what the, who the, the big movers are this morning. I'll pick out a few. Airbus shares up 1.8 percent this morning. Airbus raised its full-year earnings target. Uh, another one in focus that we've got this morning, Volkswagen. D- shares are down about 3 percent. Um, Volkswagen has come out saying that uh, they are unfortunately going to uh, deliver fewer vehicles this year than hoped. But uh, I spoke to the CEO, Herbert Deese, and he says that he's confident the worst of the chip crunch is behind us. Lastly, we just take you over to AB InBev, which is soaring this morning. Shares are up more than 7%. AB InBev hiked its guidance after beating expectations. Courtney? Juliana, thank you very much. Now on to some of your top stories this morning, including the latest on Democrats racing to get President Biden's plans for trillions in government spending over the finish line. Bertha Coombs has more on that this morning. Hi, Bertha. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Court. President Biden is expected to attend a meeting with House Democrats this morning, the president delaying his trip to Europe for a summit with other world leaders by several hours to personally appeal to progressive members to vote in favor of the stalled infrastructure bill. That bill has already cleared the Senate and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is aiming to hold a vote on it later today. Democrats are also racing to reach an agreement on the social spending bill after suggesting that proposals for paid family and medical leave will be dropped over objections by Senator Joe Manchin. Royal Dutch Shell says its third quarter earnings were down 25 percent from the previous quarter as a result in part of halted operations stemming from Hurricane Ida. The results come on word that Daniel Loeb's third point has taken a large stake in the oil giant and is calling on it to break up the company. Loeb's firm, which holds a roughly half a billion dollar stake in Shell, wants to see it separate into two companies, one with its legacy businesses such as refining that would provide steady cash flow and the another that houses renewables and other units requiring a larger investment. And Starbucks has announced that it's raising wages for its baristas here in the U.S. The company says it will roll out two pay hikes next year, bringing its pay floor to $15 an hour by the summer. Starbucks says it will also offer a $200 referral bonus and recruiters across all U.S. markets. The the moves come as eateries struggle to find workers amid rebounding demand and certainly, Courtney, you know, with a lot of competition from retail that's offering $15 an hour, not to mention in case of Target and McDonald's offering, uh, you know, some credits for college as well. Absolutely. It's such a tight labor market and all of these benefits and pay really will make a difference, I imagine, if you're deciding between some of these jobs. Bertha, thanks so much. Well, back to the markets and your money as investors gear up for another day of high-profile earnings and fresh momentum to potentially propel the major indices to new record highs. Investors will also get a fresh look at the U.S. economy with the first estimate for third-quarter GDP figures amid continued supply chain constraints. Supply chain constraints, she tried to say. For more, I'm joined by Bill Stone. He's chief investment officer at the Glenview Trust Company. Bill, it's great to see you this morning here. we got a big day coming up ahead, but let's start with, with that economic data, with the GDP number. What are your expectations? Yeah, so obviously it, it's going to look poor relative to last quarter. Now, last quarter was great, um, but I'm thinking somewhere around 2.5% growth, which, you know, normal times you'd say that's a, a good growth rate for the U.S., but we should probably be more up towards the, you know, four to five percent range to try and make up what we lost during uh, during covid. So it's really what you talked about, which I'll try and say it's the supply uh, constraints. Um, you know, that's really a 
huge part of, I think, what's holding us back. And then combine it with the fact that we really had all the variant surges during the third quarter. And voila, you have a probably a disappointing third quarter. Yeah, I know that you follow a number of, of sort of different, different reopening monitors as you're trying to track economic progress. So beyond the supply chain, are there other factors that you believe we should be paying attention to that if they are fixed, perhaps we could see further propulsion of economic growth? Well, I think we're seeing it. So, you know, we've seen the rate of change in terms of the infections coming down. Really, in most of the globe here, you've seen consumer mobility in the U.S. never really suffered too badly, which is, you know, good news in the sense that it was a headwind in terms of the the Delta spread, um, but it didn't completely shut things down, as everyone knows. Um, But things seem to be, you know, even what I'm kind of amazed with is air travel not far off of where we were um, pre kind of Delta. So I think it was when I last checked, it was like four days last week uh, that we had over 2 million uh, travelers. So that's good news. People are, are going about their business. And so I feel better with, with fourth quarter that, yeah, this will be a, a soft spot here in the third quarter. But fourth quarter is likely to be better because I think you're also going to see at least some relief on the supply constraints. We won't see all the relief. Right, right. And with that air travel, of course, you do have some leisure travelers getting back out there and getting on the airplanes. But of course, business travel is yep. still much, much lower than than had been. I know the airlines are watching that in particular. But if, if we can move on to some of the big tech earnings, really important for the broader markets because the indices uh, are sort of overweight tech and, and will continue to be for some time. So what's important for investors to pay attention to when it comes to some of these results that we're expecting from Apple, from Amazon? Well, obviously, they need to post good numbers. I expect they will. I think the hard part is um, because they are expected to post good numbers. Sometimes you see a, a disappointment uh, that comes in terms of the stock reaction. Um, but I think, you know, most of these companies just continue to show that they're great businesses, frankly. Uh, it's just a question of what you pay for them in the end. Um, but But I think that's the... They're probably, in one sense, the least of my worries because you've got other areas that probably see a lot more in terms of, you know, cost pressures and those kind of things, labor cost pressures. The tech companies don't see, they may see that, but it, do, it doesn't show up necessarily in crimping their margins as much. Got it. Okay, so put it all together. Of course, we're going to pay close attention to any commentary about the supply chain and the ripple effects therein with both GDP and some of these tech reports. What would you advise investors that are looking for opportunities? Do you have trades or hedges that you think they should be putting in place here? Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the things is because the market's certainly worried about this kind of slowdown that we're certainly going to see the evidence of today with the GDP numbers. I think some of the more cyclical areas are interesting. You know, we've seen, you know, financials have actually been trading pretty good until the last few days with the yield curve flattening. We like financials. We think it's a nice uh, hedge against higher interest rates and think they'll, they'll clearly benefit if the economy continues to, to uh, improve as we expect from here. Uh, the second part is the industrials. A lot of them have gotten hit pretty hard uh, in terms of with this soft spot and and really, you know, a lot of the global uh, economies have had the same kind of uh, soft spot. So I think those are two spots I would look for opportunity here. Got it. Okay. Financials, industrials will be on the lookout for those. Bill Stone, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. 
Well, when we come back, more of your morning's big money movers, including shares of Ford, all revved up following its latest earnings. Plus, regulators reportedly taking a hard line when it comes to new option for investing around Bitcoin. And later, big oil execs set to face lawmakers on questions over their role in climate change disinformation. Brian Sullivan previews the fireworks that we may see. A very busy hour still ahead. Roll Ride Exchange returns. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories of the morning. Samsung posting better than expected quarterly profits, helped by rising prices and its semiconductor business. The company says it expects global chip supply issues to continue through next year. Shares are higher by less than 1%. Run the runway having a less than stellar first day of trading. The stock closing down about 8% yesterday and is down again this morning by about 1.5%. The fashion rental platform had priced its IPO at $21 per share at the top end of its expected range. Ford shares taking off this morning, up more than 10 percent. The automaker nearly doubling Wall Street's expectations for earnings in the latest quarter. Ford is also raising its full year guidance on new vehicle demand and announcing plans to reinstate its regular dividend. Well, still on deck, a solution to one of man's longest running problems. The horrible aftermath of brushing your teeth after having a glass of orange juice. Ugh. A look at your morning's top trending stories next. Today's big number, $859 billion. That's how much U.S. holiday sales could reach this year, according to an estimate by the National Retail Federation. That would represent a 10.5% jump over last year. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Welcome back. You're taking a live look at New York City's Times Square. Some traffic starting to go through the streets down Broadway. New York City's back for anyone that was wondering if it wouldn't be. It is, I can assure you. Let's get to today's top trending stories, which include frequent driver miles, juice-friendly toothpaste, and a whiskey NFT, because don't you need one of those? Bertha Coombs is here with more. Hi, Bertha. Yeah, right? 
Of course. <laughs> Hi, Courtney. So let's start off with the Miles program. Automaker Stellantis is releasing a Miles program where users can rack up miles by driving, but also walking or biking. Owners of a Stellantis brand car, which includes Dodge, Chrysler, and Alfa Romeo, can use those points for discounts at retailers or to donate to charities. And it's an age-old problem. The terrible taste you get when you drink orange juice after brushing your teeth. Well, Tropicana is aware of it and wants to fix it. The company is releasing a new toothpaste, which it says will not ruin the taste of orange juice. The Tropicana toothpaste will be released on November 1st, which happens to be National Brush Day. Who knew? The consumers can't purchase it. They're going to have to work for it. They have to comment on Tropicana's Instagram page and hope to get a, quote, fresh surprise. And the world's most expensive whiskey cask has been sold at auction, but this time with a twist. Get it? With a twist. A 1991 Macallan sold for $2.33 million, and the sale includes not only the barrel, but also a specially commissioned NFT artwork of the cask. The auction house that sold the record-breaking cask, Metacask, bills itself as the first NFT marketplace for whiskey cask investments. So, so Courtney, I, I don't really understand the whole NFT thing. I don't understand the metaverse, but I guess you could use your whiskey NFT in the metaverse while you're actually drinking whiskey, maybe? I was just thinking that. I was like, wait, what? What's a Metacask? I, I'm still like, I, I quite literally Googled what is the metaverse the other day like i don't i don't understand any of this i did too <laughs> i mean is that like a crazy are, are, like are we crazy like i mean i can't figure out like are we crazy know. or are they crazy it's like blue pill red pill we're all going into the matrix uh, do we live in like sim city remember that game yeah <laughs> i know i know i don't know i i just feel like a curmudgeon lately bertha thank you very much <laughs> Well, still on deck, President Biden heading to the Hill today and a bid to get congressional Democrats on the same page when it comes to getting his economic agenda finalized. We're live in Washington with the very latest. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify or other podcast apps. We'll be right back. Apple and Amazon set to close big tech's big week of earnings. A look at what you need to watch in those results. President Biden making a last-minute visit to Capitol Hill as he tries to unite Democratic lawmakers and finalize deals on his multi-trillion dollar economic agenda. Elon Moy has the very latest from Washington. And Facebook reportedly telling its employees to hold on to key insider documents amid mounting leaks and scrutiny from lawmakers. It's Thursday, October 28th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back. I'm Courtney Reagan in this morning for Brian Sullivan. Here's how your money and investments are looking right now as we're halfway through the 5 a.m. hour. Stock futures are indicating a slightly higher open on Wall Street across the board for the major averages. Is the S&P 500 higher by eight points? Dow Jones Industrial Average indicating a higher open by 35 and the Nasdaq indicating a higher open by about 68 points. If, of course, stocks were to open here, but we got a couple hours still left to go. And this happens, of course, after we saw stocks slip yesterday. The Dow shed 250 points which means it did snap its four-day winning streak. A similar story for the S&P 500, which fell for the first time 
in the last three sessions. But let's also give you a quick check on Treasuries, that 10-year yield falling sharply back below the 1.6% threshold right now at 1.543%. And we want to get you a check on the cryptos. Bitcoin back below the 60,000 threshold after hitting that all-time high last week of around 67,000. Right now, you can see Bitcoin here trading at about 60,513 higher by more than 3%. Now, let's move on to Washington with President Biden heading to Capitol Hill today. He'll meet with House Democrats to try and lock up support on his domestic economic agenda before heading overseas for meetings with world leaders. Elon Moy joins us now with more on what the president hopes to accomplish with that meeting. Good morning, Elon. Well, good morning, Courtney. I was told last night that the president would be attending that caucus meeting in the House this morning, but it is still not on his official schedule today. His party is trying to make some tough decisions if they want to reach a deal. And the tax plan is a major source of turmoil. Just take that new billionaire's income tax. Senator Joe Manchin is skeptical of penalizing success, but the White House supports this idea. And the architect of the plan, Senator Ron Wyden, pointed out that his party is unified around the idea that the tax code should be more fair. Meanwhile, the House is floating an entirely different proposal. The chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, Richard Neal, is pushing a 3% surtax on millionaires. Now, originally, it would have hit those making $5 million, but Democrats are discussing moving that threshold up to $10 million. Then there are the new IRS reporting requirements for personal bank accounts. 21 moderates in the House announced last night that they oppose this idea and want a more targeted approach. They cited concerns about privacy, cybersecurity, and the scope of these new rules. But this has been a priority for the Treasury Department. And Senators Mark Warner, Tom Carper, and Angus King are adamant that it should stay in the final package. And I'm told the Democrats are trying to rework the language to make sure it focuses on those making more than $400,000 a year. Now, Courtney, Democrats have promised that this social spending package will be fully paid for. But all of the simple ways to do that are getting ruled out. Back over to you. Yeah, Elon, of course, you've got to have some pay fors in there. You know, I mean, what about the spending side of the bill? What's in and what's out there, at least right now? <laughs> Yeah, it seems like every hour there's a new development here and things that we thought were dead come to life again and then maybe get dead again. But one major point of contention is this paid family leave proposal. It is something that Senator Joe Manchin has been opposed to because he says we already have other federal programs like Social Security uh, that are underwater that need to be shored up. We shouldn't be creating new federal programs. But a lot of the women in the caucus are really upset about this. And one Democratic senator, Patty Murray, uh, said last Last night that one man should not be telling millions of women that they can't have paid family leave. So there is still a very strong concerted effort to try to get this back into the program. We'll see if President Biden can offer any clarity if and when he attends that meeting this morning. Wow. Yeah. Paid family leave. That's that's a tough one. I know, of course, the United States is well behind a number of other countries and in, in what we offer. But again, it, it's not a, a free cost. Right. There's a cost to all of these decisions. Elon, thank you so much. Let's get some more of your morning's top stories. Bertha Coombs is back with those. Hi again, Bertha. Hey, Courtney. Facebook is apparently telling employees to preserve all internal documents and communications as far back as 2016. According to reports, the social media company is making the move because of growing inquiries over its operations by regulators and governments. Earlier this month, Senate Commerce Committee Chair Maria Cantwell called on Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg to preserve all documents related to testimony from a former employee, Frances Haugen. 
The SEC has reportedly asked at least one asset manager to hold off on plans for a leveraged Bitcoin ETF. According to the Wall Street Journal, Valkyrie Investments has been asked to pull its proposal to launch a fund that would amplify the daily returns of a portfolio of Bitcoin derivatives, including futures contracts and options, by using borrowed money. Regulators have been curtailing product launches in a bid to limit investor exposure to offerings that they deem vulnerable to fraud, manipulation and other risks. And shares of Mimecast are surging over another journal report that the company is exploring a possible sale. The paper says the cybersecurity software company is working with bankers to consider options including a sale or taking a big investment. The journal adds that one potential buyer expected to look at Mimecast is Proofpoint, which buyout firm Toma Bravo took private in August in a $12 billion deal. A lot of folks watching that, Courtney. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Bertha. I'm starting to understand cryptocurrency a little bit more, but NFTs, they still (laughs) make me scratch my head. Thanks, Bertha. (laughs) Only two more big tech earnings to go today. Apple and Amazon will round things out for the FANG stocks, both reporting third quarter results after the bell. Let's kick things off with Apple. Supply chain will be in focus for the company, of course, as Apple has warned that component issues are intensifying for the iPhone despite strong consumer demand. Analysts will be looking for whether the company posts guidance this quarter as it's chosen not to do so throughout the pandemic. For more, let's bring in Chris Casso. He's a managing director at Raymond James. Chris, thanks so much. You know, last quarter, I think Apple beat consensus estimates by something like 30 percent. Revenue is $10 billion higher than the street is expected or did expect. Do you think we're going to see kind of a blowout beat again this time around? Well, we're not expecting a, a blowout beat, but we're, we are expecting a, a, a good report. Uh, as, as you said in the intro, that uh, one of the things Apple faces right now is some of the supply constraints. And you know, we do think that uh, the number of iPhones that were built in the third quarter were a little less than what they thought because of some of those supply constraints. But on the other side, demand seems pretty strong. Uh, the best gauge of, of where demand is for the new phone is how long it takes to get one. It's been se- it's now several weeks, especially to get some of the higher end models, the, the Pro and the Max. Uh, so that's a good sign on, on demand. Very interesting. What do you make about the supply chain component issue and how bad it really is? If demand is very strong, is that enough to offset the supply issues if, it, if it's a concern about cost, about expense? Or, or is really that not the issue at all? It's really about the availability of the components in order to fulfill the demand. Right. Well, if, if you don't have the components, you can't build the phones and, and sure. then someone can't buy them. So, you know, that that, that has to come first. Um, but what you saw as an example for last year, uh, because of COVID, the phone was delayed. And that demand actually proved to be pretty durable even into the first quarter of the year, even though, uh, you know, even by Christmas time, it was difficult to get one of the high-end phones. Uh, it still carried through and it was a better than seasonal first quarter. The other thing that, that we're noticing is that the delivery times for the higher-end models again this year are, are much stronger. Uh, we think that, again, has to do with some of the carrier subsidies in place in the United States uh, that have been very strong, stronger than last year. And that helps with the mix. So, Whereas the number of units are constrained by components, consumers seem to be preferring the higher-end models, which obviously help the ASP and therefore help the revenue. 
Got it. Uh, what do you think about the Apple Play as a Christmas uh, or holiday, I should say, gift giving idea? Um, of course, a lot of people are looking for things like the accessories, the the AirPods, or perhaps some of the other services add-ons. Is that something that we should be paying attention to as we look towards the end of the year as a potential boost for the company's revenue and maybe stock price? Well, you know, the, the, the iPhone is, is always sells well around the holidays. And, and of course, that's why they, they bring it out to the market in the end of September. So that's ready for the holidays. But you brought up the AirPods also. And, and Apple did uh, release a, a new set of AirPods uh, a week ago. Uh, and what was interesting there was now there are three models out for sale with three different price points. And there used to be a big gap in price between the AirPods Pro and 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 the and the second generation AirPod, and now this this new AirPod is uh, the $179 price point in between. So what that means is, the ASP of AirPods is going to go higher, and and then obviously is a revenue driver. And they did the same thing with iPhone in the previous generation. Now they have four models at 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 four different price points, all the way up to you know over $1,200. So what Apple is doing is they're providing you the opportunity to spend more money and buy your higher price products, and that's showing up in the revenue line. Got it. Services revenue is becoming a bigger, bigger, more important part of the total ecosystem for Apple. What are your expectations there, and maybe for Apple TV and what we should be looking for as Apple continues to grow this product service going forward? Yeah, we, we've never been big fans of Apple TV. Uh, and of course, Apple doesn't provide a lot of granularity about what's going on within the services business. But just the, the cost of content is so high. And if you compare it to just the, just the uh, the margins at, at someone like Netflix, for example, the, the margins of that business are much lower than the hardware business. So, uh, it, you know, we, we look at things like TV and a lot of the services, frankly, as an ecosystem play, just pulling people into the ecosystem and, and keeping them there. Uh, and, it, you know, our, our, our bottom line in Apple is uh, iPhone is just the biggest product in the planet. And it's it's very hard to um, get away from that gravitational pull of iPhone in terms of mm-hmm. the the effect on profitability. For services, it's just icing on the cake. And when you have a good iPhone uh, generation, as as we appear to do right now, just the growth in services just adds on to the top and adds some good profitability. Chris Casso, thank you very much for giving us a little bit of a primer before those Apple earnings. Good to see you. Thanks. Well, now on to Amazon. That stock still hasn't recovered from when the company reported second quarter results, which included a rare miss on revenues. It's down 6%, in fact, since the end of July. The miss reflecting slower growth in Amazon's core e-commerce business as more shoppers return to physical stores. Supply chain issues could also lead to potential product shortages for Amazon and its thousands of third-party sellers. Let's get more insight now with Scott Mushkin. He is founder and CEO of R5 Capital. Scott, it's good to see you here. You know, I feel like when Amazon reports There's always so much focus on the cloud business because it's a profitability driver. But most of us really are most familiar with Amazon as consumers and the e-commerce unit. What are your expectations for what we'll see out of e-commerce, especially with all of the external pressures when it comes to things like supply chain and the rising cost of labor? So, so Courtney, it's good to be here. Um, I think that the the issue going into the third quarter is the issue all year is just expenses. Um, but in some ways, the third quarter, you know, I, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but I think as we look towards the fourth quarter and what you referenced, you know, what's going on with their supply chain. Very interesting. Yesterday, they put out uh, a release talking about everything they've done to secure that supply chain. 
And our theme going into the holidays, whether it be Amazon, Target, Walmart, it's these big companies have an enormous advantage. Um, you got to watch the expenses, but as far as product availability, um, we just tested it last week and across Amazon, Target, uh, and Walmart, the product was available. Um, but the, so that's one issue going into the fourth quarter. The second thing is really their unprecedented build out of their uh, their distribution logistics logistics capacity. There's nothing been like this ever. Um, it's insane. Seventy five billion dollars in capex this year, um, and I think that's going to be in focus too. It's kind of build it and will they come? Kind of feel the dreams. I mean, it's so interesting, obviously, the logistics prowess that Amazon has. And they still, in most cases, have been able to deliver on on this fast delivery for prime members. But because of all of the discussions around the labor shortage, I mean, are there enough delivery drivers? Are there enough warehouse workers? What happens when volume surges even more as we face the holiday shopping season? Yeah, so Amazon thinks it's prepared. Uh, Walmart thinks they're prepared. Target, too. <laughs> We're just paying more. This is the big company advantage. They have better benefits. They're paying more per hour. Their flex drivers, I think, started $18 an hour now, which is getting them super fast delivery. I mean, in 15 MSAs now, you get uh, millions of products in five hours or less. This is what they're driving towards. Um, being able in all these large cities in North America and probably over in, in London, to get millions of products very, very quickly. Um, hmm. Like I said, the, the infrastructure build out here is just incredible. You know, we spoke a little bit in, in the intro about how Amazon took a hit in the third quarter as consumers returned to physical stores. And what I always find so interesting is this discussion about how in order to really succeed as a retailer, you have to offer and execute on both in-store and online. But when it comes to Amazon, their physical store revenue really hasn't grown and in many cases actually retreats year over year. Does it matter for Amazon? You know, it, it really doesn't. I was actually just in Los Angeles, Orange County, in one of their Amazon Fresh stores. And I think you're bringing up a really good point. Amazon at its core is a uh, distribution logistics company, as we talked. I think their stores are, are a sideshow. Um, in fact, I think they really probably shouldn't be running stores. Um, again, I think it's a little bit of a distraction. I mean, the you know, their their aim is honestly to us to rethink the store visit a little bit. You know, when you need that, you know, coffee or when you need that tide that, you know, you can get it in five hours or less. And so to really break your shopping habits into little packets rather than you have to go to the store for all those things. Um, so, again, I think it's a really important point And it's a little again, a little bit of a sideshow that those physical stores. Hmm. Well, very interesting all around. Scott Mushkin, thank you so much for joining us here today. Certainly a lot to look for in that Amazon report. Indeed. Thanks. Well, coming up, more of your morning's big money movers, including why quarterly results from eBay have investors hitting sell. But first, as we had to break some of your other top stories, the White House says at least one and a half million Americans have received booster shots of either Moderna or Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccine in the first five days of their availability. It adds that at least 15 million have gotten a booster since health officials cleared Pfizer's shot back in August. The Justice Department is reportedly looking at Visa's relationship with several fintech firms. According to the Wall Street Journal, antitrust officials are looking at financial incentives that Visa gave Square, Strip, and PayPal. And an ETF betting against Kathy Wood's flagship ARK Innovation Fund is reportedly changing its name. Bloomberg reports the not-yet-launched Short ARK ETF will now go by Tuttle Capital Short Innovation ETF, though it will keep its ticker, SARK. We're back in just a moment.
Welcome back. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories of the morning. First up, eBay. Third quarter results beating forecasts, but the number of active buyers and total merchandise volume fell. eBay is also projecting fourth quarter revenue below analyst estimates. So another potential sign that the online shopping boom during the pandemic is easing as shoppers start to return to stores as another option. Shares down almost 6 percent. And don't miss eBay's CEO on Squawk on the Street today in a first on CNBC interview at 1030 a.m. Eastern time. We'll talk to Teladoc. Shares are falling even as the virtual health provider reported better than expected third quarter results. The company reporting increases in both total visits and paid members. That stock down 30 percent this year after searching more than 130 percent in 2020. Shares down almost 4 percent this morning. And finally, Twilio, the software maker's third quarter results beating forecast, but shares are tumbling as its fourth quarter guidance is well below analyst estimates. Twilio also announcing its chief operating officer is leaving the company. Shares down almost 12 percent before the bell. Well, on deck, potential fireworks on Capitol Hill today as several big oil executives go before lawmakers facing questions over their company's roles in climate disinformation. Brian Sullivan will preview that hearing for us. And if you haven't done so already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. We'll be right back. Welcome back. A busy day taking shape on Capitol Hill today. In addition to the president heading there to try to secure his economic agenda, several executives from big oil companies, including the CEOs of ExxonMobil and Chevron, will go before lawmakers about their role in climate change and allegations that for decades these companies not only hid what they knew, but also purposefully created misinformation around the issue. Brian Sullivan is down in D.C. for these hearings and joins us on the CNBC Newsline with more on what to expect. Brian, some pretty big allegations here. There are, Courtney, by the way, and good morning. And, I, you know, I, I drove down 95 thinking that this was going to be some big in-person fiery hearing. I may be the only one in person because now oh. it's going to be virtual. Everybody was supposed huh. to be here. Now it's going to be this virtual hearing. Still, there are some fireworks expected. Here's the deal. Uh, Congressman Ro Khanna of California and Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney of New York really organized this. There was a, a leaked video back in June of a now former ExxonMobil lobbyist making some damning claims to sort of an undercover Greenpeace person about how ExxonMobil for years had created myths and disinformation about their role in climate change, hiring shadow groups to kind of spread this information around it. So this is going to be a hearing today. It begins at 10.30 this morning, Eastern Time, where you've got the CEOs of ExxonMobil, the CEO of Chevron, the U.S. heads, not the total CEOs, but the U.S. heads of BP and Shell, and then the CEOs of the American Petroleum Institute and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, being hammered and grilled in what is expected to be about a six-hour-long, now virtual testimony, again, over their role in, in mis- and disinformation as well. So... Uh, this was going to be sort of his in-person hammering at the beginning. Now I guess it will be a virtual hammering still. Uh, it could be a big moment. There's a lot of comparisons to this about the 1994 big tobacco hearings where they called it the, the seven dwarfs, basically the seven CEOs lying in front of Congress. Uh, some of the ones out there calling this the, the quote, slippery six, according, uh, which uh, <laughs> unveiled reference, random but interesting, to uh, oil, I suppose. <laughs> Got to get in your RBI somehow, Brian. Uh, has anything like this, <laughs> this, this hearing ever, ever happened before? Is this sort of an unprecedented 
uh, you know, grilling, virtual or not, of these executives over climate change allegations and this misinformation? This seems this seems. Yes, it's new. And no, nothing like this has happened before. I mean, I did reference the tobacco hearings. Of course, people Uh, remember Howard Hughes uh, back in the day getting grilled. But for oil, no, this never happened before. Um, Now, these CEOs have been, I'm going to politely say, Courtney, have been, quote, invited (laughs) by Bernie Sanders and others uh, to appear on Capitol Hill. They have politely declined. Representative Conor O'Connor, who, by the way, is headquarters, 17th District, California, is uh, is about a uh, three-wood shot from uh, Chevron's headquarters, ironically enough, in in California outside the Bay Area. Um, They threaten subpoenas. So Hmm. when you start invoking legal power, you get people's attention, and they are showing up, albeit virtually. Very interesting. Very interesting. So close, but hitting a three wood is not an easy thing. I always struggle with that, especially in a fairway. Uh, Brian, <laughs> will, will anything meaningful actually come from this hearing, though? Yeah, unclear. Um, quickly, I mean, listen, legislatively, uh, there's been talk about a carbon tax. Some of these oil companies have said on the record they support a carbon tax, whether that's lip service or not, who knows? I think people want to know what the price of carbon Maybe. Uh, otherwise, I think this, listen, the price of gasoline is up 56% from this time last year. People are going to be facing steep jumps in their heating bills this winter. I think there's also, and this is just me speculating, but, you know, based on conversations with the staffers and whatever that I've had, there's also an effort to basically put a public face on this, right? Because the administration is going to get a lot of blowback, President Biden, for higher bills. And I think the administration could use a little scapegoating, for lack of a better term, and say, listen, these are the men and women uh, that are behind the oil and gas industry. Gasoline prices are up. And here's a face, again, albeit virtual, here's sort of the faces uh, of oil and gas. And I think that uh, heading into the fall with natural gas and oil prices where they are, the administration doesn't want to deal with, they're already dealing with inflation, Courtney, but higher gas prices. Say, listen, these people, you know, have done bad things. And they've spread misinformation. They've contributed to climate change. Some of the policies we've had to make regarding move to renewables, which we have to do to combat climate change. And these are the companies and the people behind it. So I, with D.C., there's always more than right. the eye, Courtney. Yes, of course. Of course. Well, I can only imagine um, the questions that will be asked as sometimes these executives are sort of labeled as like big, bad oil, you know, heads of, of fossil fuel. But, uh, Brian, I know they're going to follow it all for us, virtual or not, and bring us all of the headlines. And then another time we're going to talk about carbon credit offsets, because to me that just seems silly. But what do I know? Huge market. Thanks, I Courtney. I know. Thanks, Brian. Well, turning now to energy's impact on the broader markets, let's bring in Victoria Green. She's CIO of G Squared Private Wealth. And Victoria, let's just uh, pick up right there where we left off. Obviously, there's been a lot of discussion about energy because we've seen the price of, com- of the underlying commodity for oil prices, the WTI, really move up in the $80 per, per barrel range, which is certainly a far cry from, from where we've been just a short time ago. What do you make of what that portends going forward? Are we going to stay in this $80 barrel range? Is $100 a barrel or $50 a barrel more likely? Sure, Courtney. We do think it's going to skew more on the upside risk towards 100. I think you look at the fundamentals right now and you're seeing a massive demand spike that's just not being met by supply. You know, we do have a big OPEC meeting coming up on the 4th next week. OPEC has played very nice. OPEC Plus has has been gradually adding that 400,000 barrels per month. 
per day per month. But they could obviously change that. There's 7 million of excess supply out there that they could release. But I think everybody right now is looking at this energy. And I don't really call it a crisis necessarily, especially if you look across the United States. We do have reserves. You know, we're drawing down Cushing, but we actually had some growth in reserves last week. And we have refining only about 80 percent capacity. So I do think there's going to be a crunch. I think prices stay higher for longer. If you look at our rate count, we're really at 443 rigs versus we were at 683 pre-pandemic, and we peaked out at 1,600 rigs back in 2015. So we're still not drilling as much as we were back in when we were doing peak drilling uh, in 2015 before OPEC really started messing around. So yeah, I think this is going to be here to stay for a little bit. I think gas prices are going to be under pressure, and you're going to see this added demand come from power switching from nat gas to oil. I will say one thing that's really interesting about this oil rally is that it's really natural gas pulling oil forward versus oil leaving all other commodities, right? Other commodities started going up before oil prices really started this this rise the last 60 days. And a lot of that was driven by the natural gas and and people now saying, oh man, it's going to be expensive in Europe potentially over this winter. And and also in the the Northeast, you know, unfortunately we are dealing with a La Nina effect again this winter, which could be very cold in Eastern Europe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, And as we talk about higher prices, for oil, for natural gas, to your point about gas prices for consumers. There's just this big ripple effect really across many industries. And it also sort of lends us into this inflation or hyperinflation discussion that's been going on. What do you make about the higher price of everything, whether it's gasoline or component parts for iPhones and the impact that it could have on the economy as we prepare for this second or this uh, GDP number that's coming out here this morning? Yeah, I think GDP may come in a little low. I know it's supposed to be 2.6 to 2.8-ish. I think it might come in a little closer to 2. I think you're going to see the supply chain bite it a little bit and a lot on the personal consumption side come in a little lower. Uh, I think gas prices, obviously, um, there's been a lot of research for about every penny gas increases. It costs the U.S. about a billion dollars. And so if you think about a dollar ten increase in gas, that's about a $110 billion drag on where we can spend elsewhere. So when gas prices come up, it does crunch the consumer spending ability. But I also think I'm more on the transitory part than I am on persistent. So I don't think it's a return of the 1970s. I don't think it's going to be stagflation. I think you actually are having a strong economic recovery happen. I think the Fed is going to move a little bit faster than people anticipate to try to tamp down a lid on inflation. But companies are being able to succeed in this area. Look at McDonald's. Everybody thought labor was going to be a huge problem. McDonald's crushed it. Um, look at Ford, uh, the, the chip supply, the, the constraints we're seeing on supply chain problems, which is like the, the word of the month, right? Uh, supply chain problems, right. supply chain problems. It's not. I mean, Ford crushed it. Uh, Tesla crushed it. GM, all the automotives, even Volkswagen this morning coming out saying, hey, look, our, our chip supply is getting better. You know, Apple's a barometer. Everybody's going to be watching closely today to see how they navigated it. But companies are navigating this and, and able to be profitable and growing their earnings quite quite fast. I mean, we're at like an 82% beat um, so far for, for Q3. It, it's very strong numbers. So everybody likes to panic. I think that that's a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think there's as much to panic about that, that people see out there. 
Thank you very much, Victoria Green. We are out of time, so we will leave it there. But I know some of your picks include Chevron, Devon Energy, and Disney. Let's get a quick check on the futures here as we are indicated for a slightly higher open across the major indices. Right now, the Dow Jones Industrial Average indicated higher by 47 points, S&P 500 up by 9, NASDAQ higher by 61 points. Thanks for joining us this morning on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box is coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 